Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Thus signals the latest and current this edition of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. I'm Nikki Dakota, your Good host, morning. joined in the studio today by the Film Guys. It's our great honor to welcome live and in person the Nitrate Film Archivist for the Library of Congress, an all-around amazing keeper of all things movies. He's George Willem and George, welcome. Howdy doody. Thanks, and also live in the studio today, the storyboard artist for the Cohen Brothers for 20 years and counting, currently working with uh, the sexiest man alive, or is he the sexiest man alive? We call him J. Todd Anderson. J. Todd? Yes, make sure you know that the sexiest man alive is George Clooney. It certainly <laughs> isn't I. Although I would here, really like, I'd like that <laughs> nomenclature, you, you know, that'd be good. Can't squeeze uh, Mr. Clooney's action. Sorry about that. We find ourselves uh, coming together every Friday in celebration of some of the finest images and sound ever laid to film and set before our eyes. And on this day, we come to honor the amazing RoboCop. Oh, man. Just say it again. Say it again, Nikki. It is the amazing, the awesome, the absolutely riveting RoboCop. Oh, <laughs> you know, that's a perfect movie. It is a perfect movie. And you know, movie. it's perfect so funny. Movie. When I first heard about this movie back when it came out, I was I was just incredulous. Like, how could a movie have a stupid name like RoboCop and be any good at all? Then I saw <laughs> Well, I, I remember on Entertainment Tonight back then, they were, there was a, a lot of talk about the violence in this movie. Uh, and there is a lot of violence in movies, but um, once in a while you get a director who knows how to handle that violence, and it's usually stylish. Uh, and Paul Verhoeven is one of those guys. And he takes this violence, and boy, is it stylish in this movie. Well, you know, interestingly, when I, I saw it when it came out, really liked it, and then uh, was going to view it again for uh, our uh, our show here, and was thinking initially that I would have the kids too, because oh, hey, yeah, it's robots, it's future, it's this is not a movie for small uh, children. Uh, Oh, oh! Even uh, beyond the violence, the language—pretty, pretty, uh, pretty uh, saucy, very, very spicy language here. But given that it is a movie for adults, it is perfect in every way. Which brings us to the fact that this is not some arbitrary uh, notion that uh, oh, it's just Jay Todd and George sitting around with some iced tea and thinking, oh, wouldn't that be cool? No, no, no. Very set, very stringent rules that qualify for perfect movie. And gentlemen, what are those rules? Well, this movie, uh, RoboCop, uh, creates the world it exists in. That's rule number one. And rule number two, it wholly sustains that world. And regardless of changes uh, in society, it retains its meaning. It it is a classic. And last but not least, uh, as with all the films on our list, it will never be put in any sort of numerical order. It stands on its own own quality. So this movie, uh, made in 1987 as a futuristic movie, was more or less set in our current times. Yeah, interestingly enough, if you watch this picture, they were kind of projecting to 
to where we are right now, which is 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of movies, you know, the future movies are always a dangerous kind of topic to deal with in a narrative because sometimes you will pass yourself. And I think that's what's going to happen here in this movie. But it, I don't think it's going to hurt its appeal any at all. But, uh, you know, generally, like people like Star Trek and Gene Roddenberry, they went out so far and out there, yeah, they centuries. never had to worry. Right. But this is a very, very uh, bravado, bravado tactic on Paul Verhoeven's part is to reach 10 years into the future. Right. Uh, I believe that this the film itself is supposed to be set in the late 1990s. <laughs> so I, not I too far correctly. ahead. Yeah, I don't really know. It just seems when I watch this is that they were kind of aiming... As some of the stuff, you know, we'll give you the whole world in three minutes. Well, that's kind of what you yeah. hear now. The sort of the, prevel- the prevalence now of the, the quickie cable news, you know, wrap everything up for a nice little package in three minutes. It and is such gruesome news. And, and the right. newscaster's always smiling. Thanks, Bob. Right. And, and throughout going, the, uh, I mean, uh, the, some of the commercials, there's the commercial for the heart hospital, you know, and they're talking <laughs> about really how they have, good. The, they have the Jarvik 7 and the, the sports heart by Nike and things like that. <laughs> And uh, and of course the the great uh, the great uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, game the family game where they're you know they're, oh yeah the nuclear the nu- game the nukem the nukem game they're sitting around and, and they all have this Milton Bradley kind of tone to mm-hmm. them and it's real Twister funny. and oh, battleship right. you know well and of course uh, probably the best thing is the the car. S U X the eight thousand two thousand eight thousand whatever it is yeah the six thousand S U X yeah I, I particularly yeah. I enjoy the scene where the where the uh, chamber of commerce the city, council guy, city council member is 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 going as you know he's going His crazy up here yeah and he goes and I want I want a car I want a really bad gas mileage yeah. <laughs> which is funny can't help but to smile every time because were there SUVs back then I certainly don't remember anybody calling an SUV you know a sports utility vehicle they vehicle. picked so it's they picked the Ford Taurus in this movie because they thought it looked futuristic yeah oh how funny most of the co- all the cop cars are ford tauruses and i believe up. the the sux is either a a thunderbird <laughs> or or a lincoln that has been has been a yeah. but that was so it's sux instead of suv and i just want yeah. to remember no if this had, was actually before i mean so they, yeah they had this before that's suv funny. before the suv hey, craze hey yeah. he's got a he's got an suux just like yours <laughs> and he goes oh yeah and he blows it up <laughs> It's just a term, <laughs> S-U-X, yes. S-U-X, yes. So RoboCop taking a, a bold uh, sort of step in 1987 to just go a little bit into the future. and uh, They hold that tone through the whole picture. Everything is is dynamically understated, if you can say dynamically in this thing, but it holds. It just holds its tone all the way through the picture. It's, right, and, and besides being, I mean, you know, sort of darkly humorous at many times, um, a lot of what it says are things that we are dealing with now. The idea of biotech, uh, of altering the human body and, and making, I'll it, bet you there's making some it better. Police, police, sta- uh, police department that has is being uh, uh, replaced by some rental unit or something somewhere. <laughs> like Which a, brings us to sort of the uh, the, uh, the thread of contract the, unit of the narrative, yeah, of, of what's going on in this story. Um, if we could just take a, a sort of overview of the action that brings okay. us, you know, in, in the future here and what's happening in the in the future, world. the main story takes place in Detroit. There's new Detroit and old new Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and the uh, the police work in Detroit has been taken over by this company called OCP that is trying to bring life back to Detroit, which is very interesting because this is something that Detroit is actually dealing with now. I mean, Detroit's in very bad shape. Um, and in the, in the streets of old Detroit, crime is rampant. 
as the uh, the old man, the head of OCP, says, you know, old Detroit has a cancer. Cry. <laughs> you know, uh, who's played by the wonderful Dan O'Hare, a great yeah, Irish yeah. actor. Very good. And um, two different divisions in OCP have come up with solutions for this problem. And one of them, headed by uh, by the, the lovable Ronnie Cox, who in this one is anything but lovable. Same guy from Deliverance. From Deliverance. The, 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 the guitar player guitar from Deliverance. Player. Completely uh, remakes himself. It's perfect yep. for this role. He has developed this, his group has developed this thing called the Ed 209, which is this humongous robot with you know, big, big scary legs and it growls and it has huge guns on it. <laughs> um, but as you can see in this little, this little section we're going to play for you here, the Ed 209 has a bit of a problem. And also this, this scene illustrates this sort of funky dark humor that pervades this movie. Mr. Kinney is going to help us simulate a typical arrest and disarming procedure. Mr. Kinney, use your gun in a threatening manner. Point it at Ed 209. Yes, sir. Please put down your weapon. You have 20 seconds to comply. I think you'd better do what he says, Mr. Kenny. You now have 15 seconds to comply. You are in direct violation of Penal Code 113.69. You now have 5 seconds to comply. Overstated <laughs> violence, you say? Well, get the director's cut. Uh, You'll see it all. Yes, indeed. That's even more so, intense. Anyways, yes. Yeah, so so at this point, um, Miguel Ferrer, who is another upstart in the company, has another plan that he's brought forward called the, the RoboCop plan. And he tells the old man that he has candidates in line for this and that they hope within the next couple months to have a prototype. What RoboCop, what the RoboCop plan basically is, is they have certain... A patrolman that they put in extremely dangerous uh, parts of the city in the hopes that they're going to get gunned down. Mm. And the one who ends up being the chosen one is Peter Weller, who plays uh, Ale- uh, patrolman Alex Murphy. And he ends up in like the worst part of old Detroit. Uh, he's teamed up with um, Officer Lewis, who's played by uh, Nancy Allen, and uh, they head out. And he runs afoul of this gang of robbers led by Kurtwood Smith, who's the, the lovable dad on that 70s show. That's who, so funny one, because I've seen that so many times, and yet I yes. still, they're so different characters. You I see him on together. television, but you don't realize the range he has as an actor till you see him in this movie. This boy has he is, range. He is so vile, and he can be so vile and so calm, and then so angry. <laughs> Calmly well, In fact, one of my favorite lines in the movie is... Uh, um, you probably don't think I'm a very nice guy. Yeah. That's <laughs> after he shoots his hand off, <laughs> yeah. right before he shoots his hand off, right? And, uh, so, so this gang of four um, basically kill Murphy. They they blow him apart. They blow his arm off. Just they they shoot him in the head, and mm. he's left for dead. But he's not quite dead. 
and they get him in the hospital and they keep what's left of him alive and they meld him in with these robotic parts to Which create. And I, I might add, this him. is one of the best POV montages where you're passing time right. uh, that I've ever seen in a movie. It's just where it should be at the right time in this picture and it holds you. It's very simple. But yet you have empathy for this person who's laying there that you become. It's the POV. It's worth just watching that. You know, I've talked about little pieces of movies that I think are very cinematically brilliant. This is one of the simplest and most effective ones I've ever seen. But they, they bring Robocop to life, and he's introduced to the public. And right off the bat, they have him go through his list of prime directives, which is like protect the public and stuff like that. But you notice, you notice, because you're seeing it through his eyes, no one else notices that he has a secret protocol. There's like a restricted protocol. You don't see what it is. It says, yeah, the Directive 4. Right, classified. Directive 4, classified. Um, so they send Robocop out, and he does all these amazing things. And he's becoming a hero. And they have him on the, the news watch, and, you know, and. and Virtually uh, saving kittens from trees. It's just right. always. It's great where he's, there. you know, stay out of trouble. He's yeah. telling these kids <laughs> are touching him and everything. <laughs> but. One thing that they don't they don't realize is that all the work they've done on him, they couldn't get rid of that tiny little spark of humanity that's deep within him, and the Murphy part of him begins to to come back, and he starts to dream, and he starts to realize that something has happened to him, and he begins to look into his past. And when he does this, he discovers the faces of the men who killed him, and he goes out after them. Now, of course... The bad guys are working for Ronnie Cox. It's all a big, you know, big deal where they're selling drugs and they're keeping the workers happy. So Ronnie Cox can't have this going on anymore. So they they turn the cops on. Well, let me jump back. I'm sorry. Um, uh, Robocop confronts Ronnie Cox because when he catches Kurtwood Smith and Kurtwood Smith rats out Ronnie Cox and he goes to Ronnie Cox's office and that's when you find out what Directive 4 is. Basically, Directive 4... Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Basically, Ronnie Cox, because he, because he really despises Miguel Ferrer, and in fact has him offed in the movie in, in a rather explosive right, scene. Right, he was just a step along the way. Yeah, really. he, um, he had programmed into Robocop this fourth directive, which is basically Robocop cannot arrest any high-ranking officer of OCP which Ronnie Cox is. It causes him to short out. So while Robocop is, is writhing in pain from this directive, uh, basically uh, Ronnie Cox sticks his own personal Ed 209 on him. His own evil. It looks like almost like a Star Wars-esque yeah. two biped there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so he gets shot up by Ed 209. He managed to escape the building only to be confronted by all of his former policemen who have been ordered to destroy him. And in this just heartbreaking scene, uh, he's just blasted and blasted and blasted until he is rescued by Officer Lewis. The interesting uh, in that scene, they say, wait, he's a cop. They pause for about three seconds, a beat maybe, and then destroy him. <laughs> I've, I've always wondered about that scene, you know. Okay, you know, whether that was in the script or whether Paul Verhoeven put it in because it makes that scene really quite riveting when they have to stop and make this calculation on whether to shoot him or not you know, as a cop. Uh, the one guy stands up with a sense of humanity, yeah. So, so Lewis, Officer Lewis rescues Murphy, Robocop, and actually, ironically, takes him back to the same old rundown steel mill where he had originally been killed. And uh, they take his visor off because it's all busted up, and you actually get to see Murphy's face again because it was covered. 
and and Lewis kind of helps him try to regain his strength and and get his broken body working again. And they uh, they end up confronting the bad guys who come after them one more time. I mean, Ronnie Cox gets him out of jail and 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 they take off after him. And this big showdown. And once the showdown is done, he goes after Ronnie Cox again. But of course, he still can't get to him because he's still an officer of the company. And this is one of my favorite little little. Twists. So at the end, you know, Ronnie Cox is cornered basically. So he grabs Dan O'Hurley, the old man, and makes all these demands. That he wants a helicopter for the roof and this, that, and the other. And the old man, thinking quickly, oh, spoiler just alert. says, ah! spoiler <laughs> just kind of goes, Dick, you're fired, which immediately erases Directive 4. The old man jumps out of the way. Robocop blasts uh, Ronnie Cox and sends him through a window. It's a very satisfying moment. You it have is. To say. It truly is. Yes. A good resolution for a violent movie. <laughs> That's right. We're talking about Robocop on Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WISO. We're talking about it because it is perfect in every way. Let's talk one about of the, you know, I'll tell you, one of the things that has always really shook me about this movie is that it is so cinematic. They lead with sound. Uh, they lead with picture. They send you where they want to go through visual images all through, even though it is violence. It's it's an amazingly, Paul Verhoeven is a very talented cinematic director, and it's very obvious in this picture. And one of the reasons that George and I enjoy it more than anything is because it's not based on a book or anything. This is as if where they pay all this money for all these comic books to make movies out of comic books, this is far better than any comic book that they could have ever dreamed up to turn it into a movie, and it, it stands on its own as a cinematic movie right out of the box. And that's why we, one of the reasons we really like it, because it's very cinematically pure as a, as a motion picture goes. Well, and it's so interesting that Verhoeven was even chosen for this project because he comes out of Holland, you know, and his 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 Dutch films are 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 known for their sensuality and I I call it earthiness. Um, some of his films, uh, you you couldn't show to a mixed audience because they are some of the, mm. the, the sexuality in They're them. Definitely not commercial commodities no. for the United States. They've been well, successful. how did he get chosen for this? How, what an that, interesting. You know that I honestly I honestly have not read much what about that. He had just penible. come over here from from Holland. And he had done one other film here earlier. I think he did uh, a, a like a sword and sword and sorcery film called Flesh and Blood with Rutger Hauer. And then he got tapped to do this one. And I think I don't know if it's you know right from the start they knew that it was going to be a violent film, and they had seen the violence in his films because his Dutch films have a lot of violence, and they're they're very very visceral, pervasive. yeah, visceral, extremely this visceral. Was uh, if you're familiar with The Fourth Man or Spetters. Or, uh, and they're they're somewhat offensive. Uh, if if you plan on trying to look these babies up, uh, be prepared to be offended because some of them are very offensive by our standards, maybe not by Holland's yeah. standards. But I can see where a lot of this comes from. I mean, as his career has continued uh, with films like uh, um, uh, Starship Troopers, which oh, is really? another oh. perfect movie. Oh. George and I think that's a perfect and, and some movie. of the other films is it, the violence continues on throughout these, and I think a lot of it probably comes somewhat as it does in in films of like like Roman Polanski. Um, Verhoeven, as a child, was exposed to the horrors of World War II in his native Holland. Oh, uh, well, there and you, you know go. these things that are set up in your mind as a child are very very and strong. as of this as of this re, uh recording he's got a movie that's coming out that kind of deals with that i believe yeah black uh, i think it's called black book we also uh want to talk about some of the people in the background on this the writers uh edward newmeyer and michael minor who 
who are instigators for this marvelous tone in this picture. Mm-hmm. And then the music in this movie is done by um, Basil Paul Doris. Yeah, just really died. just passed away recently. Uh, great kind of undersung uh, composer, I think, of these wonderful scores. And this one, I think, is definitely one of his best. It's, it's a, if I might say, a soaring score. Like, you know, <laughs> when, when, when Robocop is on, on the move, boy, he backs him up with this marvelous music. Again, it's cinematic music, and it's made for picture. Mm-hmm. They're not restricted by any kind of written thing. Well, that's the way they did it in the book. Well, you, these guys just go where they want to go in this movie, and it's very obvious through the movie, through the music, and through the uh, the written content by the, the writers and the director, the actors, everything about this is, is four-star, buddy. It just goes all the way through this. Thing. Well, and one of the nice things about it that uh, is becoming a little more commonplace, but kind of started with this one, was sort of the breaking in to these little news bits throughout and the commercials yeah. and stuff that aren't actually part of the story but complement the story, kind of giving kind of a counterpoint as to what this world has become and what it's like. And in each uh, case, all these, the, all the reports are so violent. It's such, it just really well, awful. It's a hard, man it's, it's on definitely man pointing to the cynicism we're experiencing right now with the media yeah. that's yeah. going on because there is no better time to lie to be in the news media because they have something every day. Uh, if, the, if the ice caps aren't melting, well, there's something in Iraq. They, they're in, pointing right at this cynicism. In right. This I mean, like really the, the one it, story yeah. where the Star Wars initiative goes awry and, and yeah. burns up part of Florida and kills several <laughs> ex-presidents, you know. Yeah, and we wonder who the ex-president is at the time. They're trying <laughs> to revive him, him, you know. giving him the chest compression, yeah. But yeah. the um, uh, the other thing, and as far as the television is concerned, I mean, television plays a big part in this movie because there's always scenes of people watching television. And they always watch this one show, this one incredibly stupid program called I'll Buy That for a Dollar. And it's basically just this kind of goofy-looking guy and these four scantily clad women uh, pasting each other with pies or whipped cream or something like that. <laughs> their version of Benny Hill. And then, exactly the guy, and then the guy going, I'll buy that for a dollar. And actually, that does have an interesting literary connection. There's this great undersung... Uh, science fiction author named C.M. Kornbluth, who back in the 40s wrote a story called The Marching Morons, which is about the future. Story about the future where where the really intelligent people on Earth had decided that Earth was going to get overpopulated, and so they they controlled their breeding, but the stupid people didn't. So at the point this story takes place, all the stupid people had taken over the Earth, and they have this thing called, I'll buy that for a quarter. And that's exactly where Newmeyer and Miner got that from. It's very brilliant little interpolation. And all the, and it's not funny. And all these guys just laugh and mm-hmm. smack their knees. It's the funniest thing they ever heard. Yeah, very it's interesting. It's the undertone of, of this picture, boy. It just kind of drags you through there. And this picture is RoboCop. We're talking about it on Filmically Perfect on 91.3 Phil WYSO. Tippett did the, Phil Tippett, the great Phil Tippett, did all the mechanical monsters. This is before digital, so they're models and uh, they're stop action yeah, models. Yeah, the Ed 209 uh, is all stop action because this film was very low budget. I mean, there wasn't a big budget on this. No. Film. You're kidding. How it, couldn't it have been with all that? Well, You'd be surprised at how much of it is. For its time, it was low budget, but it's done by skilled craftsmen. You know, like a couple weeks ago, we were talking about King Kong. Uh, and these are people that know what they're doing with stop action models. Right. And uh, occasionally you'll see a scale problem, but they, they work it so marvelously that cinematically you see the two legs of Ed. Two right. on, what is it? Ed 209. Yeah. And then it steps forward and you see the tops blown Pops completely blown off. off. Well, they do that through just sheer cinematic skill. It, they didn't have to go in there and digitize all this stuff to, for you to get. It's like when you spend $20 million on on gags to make get a laugh and you can go out and throw a pie and get the same effect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, these guys do this just through cinem- cinematic skill in this picture. 
So let's talk about, I think, the rules. We're, we're in very, very good stead here. We've got uh, certainly creates the world, absolutely sustains it. And uh, they finally, certainly create their world, huh, George? Yeah. yeah no now, it, it amazes me because, as we said, it is set in sort of a contemporary setting. But it still holds true. You look at it now, and except for the fact that it's got a very young Peter Weller in it, you know, uh, it looks like it could take place today. It could. You know. And, and people dress... In that movie, very much like you see them in uh, Police Gear now. Um, yeah, the heavy body In fact, body it's armor. not too distracting. You can watch it without saying, yeah, this is what they think is the future. You're not disturbed by that at all. You're going to watch this movie, and you're not going to be distracted by that sort of detail uh, right. in this picture. Also, it's probably um, some of these actors, some of their finest moments. Um, Miguel Ferrer, some of his finest work. Ronnie Cox, some is of his the, finest work. Was he the guy work. that got shot or not? Uh, no, he's no, no, the no. he's the OCP. M- Miguel Ferrer is the creator of RoboCop. Basically. Oh, okay, sure. All and right. he gets blown up in his living room. Finally, in a very <laughs> gruesome way, but in a way that you're like glad that this horrible thing happened to him because he was such a punk. You're just so you know, it's like, well, he got what he. Deserved. But he was definitely the lesser of two evils. Ronnie Cox <laughs> a lot worse than him. And the girl, uh, she's terrific. Um, yeah, Nancy it? Allen is. Nancy, is, this is one of her best roles. You just pull for this woman, and she is empathetic. She brings this man out. By the way, as it wraps, she takes a real beating too, and it's implied. Does. Actually, was there ever a sequel here? Because it's sort of implied. there is, but we're not going to talk about no. the sequel. So it's, but no, there and, was and one made. There, there's yeah, two of them man. actually. Oh, see, yeah. Yeah. you know what? Don't waste your time. No, and it's really sad because the second one has a really good director, but it, you know, Urban Kirshner, who did uh, Empire Strikes, yeah, Back. which is one of oh. the better Star Wars, and movies. it's a terrible. It's, movie. it's hard to talk. This picture, you know, anybody goes in there and tries to top it, of course, you know, it makes money. That's why they got to try. Well, to top it also, it. Right. I mean, it fits in with Walt Disney, Walt Disney's axiom that you can't top pigs with pigs. You know, <laughs> after he did Three Little <laughs> Pigs, after he did Three Little Pigs and it was super successful, yeah. Academy yeah. Award winning, everyone, oh, more pigs! All the all the uh, theater owners, more, more pigs, more pigs, and he's like. He can't top pigs with pigs. Well, at least he knew that. How did he know However, that? However, he did yeah. go ahead and made two more Three Little Pig cartoons, and neither of them are... It's kind of the uh, penguin syndrome that's hitting right now. Exactly. <laughs> so as we wrap up here, I wanted to say one more thing, though, that addresses rule number three, and that is that sustaining itself and cultural, cultural re- relevance. But also, it gave us a term. Am I right in saying that the whole robo-whatever? Because what did my son want for Christmas last night? was a robo-puppy. Now, was this a common parlance to to put robo on the front of something to to uh, signify part machine part? Ah, uh, not that I'm aware of. The and only I thing I was aware of before invented. was like robo wash, you know, which is like an automatic car wash. But. Right, but you wouldn't have said like, oh, he's a robo man, he's a robo no. whatever. So see, now there's something that speaks to the sustainability added to our language. Right. Well, I of- just think it's a great movie, and <laughs> it'll just. It doesn't need a walker in 20 years. It'll just be fine. You know, people will say RoboCop. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a great movie. Mm-hmm. We're getting ready to wrap up, gentlemen. As always, a great, great pleasure here to sit and talk about some of the finest I'd buy that for a dollar. Ever made. <laughs> I'm oh. Nikki Dakota, your host. Yes. And if you can find it, it's very hard to find now, but uh, back in the early days of DVD, Criterion put out the director's cut of RoboCop, which was the version that Paul Verhoeven presented to be released and the MPAA were going to give him was going to give him an X rating for it. So they had to trim some of the more violent scenes. Now X that, for violence, not X for violence. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, Those are the days, huh? And if you can find it, it's worth the effort to see what his original concept was on this film. But again, make the children leave the room. Yes. Yeah, because yes. dead or alive, you're coming with me. <laughs> 
<laughs> Robocop on Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSOS. Please get in touch with the Film Guys. It's filmguys at perfectmovie.net. Again, that's filmguys at perfectmovie.net. You can yeah, find- suggest a movie or, you know, we get a lot of nice letters where they uh, ask us questions or tell us um, how they're showing off at parties. We always like our ego massaged on that. <laughs> um, and then, you know, a lot of people have been going out and selecting these movies to watch. And if you've been listening, you'll see that go to our website, you'll see there's quite a few really great movies to watch. You can uh, listen to all the archived editions of Filmically Perfect right there at perfectmovie.net. Or, of course, you can stop by our website at wyso.org. There's a link right there on the front page. As always, a huge pleasure. George Williman, thank you for being here today. Thank you very much. Great pleasure. And as always, Mr. J. Todd and it's always Anderson. my pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for listening to Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. Go to the website, perfectmovie.com. Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website www.perfectmovie.net See you, please!